All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Chi Alpha tonight. You guys can have a seat. It is good to see you here in the student union. All right, Niall's excited to be here. All right, uh, I, uh, you know, I th Gareth is excited about Guys Night, even though he, even though he didn't sound very excited in the movie today. Uh, except for about corn, I think he's. I think you're as excited about guys night as you are about corn. I think, right? Okay, good, 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 good. Uh, if you got here late and you didn't see the movie, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, that's all right. Um, anyways, it's good to see you guys tonight. Welcome to Chi Alpha. Thanks for spending your Thursday night with us. My name's Steve, and uh, I get to get I get to direct Chi Alpha with my wife Erin, who's sitting right over there, and. Uh, and we are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time at Chi Alpha, we want you to feel welcome and part of the family. And, uh, and we want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for coming. We'd love to meet you after, after we're done with the service here tonight. So uh, I'm excited to jump into what we're talking about tonight. Uh, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody, by the way. Uh, everybody's, if uh, everybody's got plans for Thanksgiving, uh, involve turkey and things like that. Uh, if you don't, I mean, we're feasting tomorrow night. And so you have a Thanksgiving meal at Guys Night or at Girls Night. And so we're excited to have you guys there. If you don't have plans for Thanksgiving, uh, let Aaron and I know. Our home is going to be open for Thanksgiving and uh, we'd love to host you. We just need to know that you're coming so we know how much food to make. So let us know before you leave tonight. Um, okay, well, I have a video to show you guys. Uh, I want to show you in a little bit. Uh, anybody in here get overwhelmed with life once in a while? Just raise your hand, all right? Raise it up high. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, uh Anna is our worship leader. How many people appreciate Anna? Everybody appreciates Anna? Okay. She was a little mortified because she said, uh, thank you for worshiping us tonight, which is not what she meant to say. And she just wanted me to clarify that she said, she meant to say worshiping with us. And uh, she actually said the same thing last week. So <laughs> we're, not, we're not sure. Like, we're not sure uh, what she had. No, I'm just kidding, Anna. We love you. And... Uh, and we know what you meant to say. She was mortified. She, want me to, she wanted me to share that. Uh, we know what you meant. We know what you meant. All right. All right. So show of hands again. How many people have been overwhelmed with life in the last month? Okay. My hand's up with you. All right. I, for whatever reason, it just seems like life can become chaotic, chaotic and out of control sometimes. And I got some, like, bad news for you guys. <laughs> College is, like, probably going to be the least stressful time of your entire life, all right? Uh, the life only becomes more complicated and more chaotic the older you get, all right? Uh, as soon as you leave this season of life, you're like, oh, good, like, everything's going to be okay. I don't have classes anymore. <laughs> Career, right? And, like, you're just going to get that under control. It's like, okay, I think I got this <laughs> marriage, right? You're like, oh my gosh, what's it like to be a husband? What's it like to be a wife? Oh my goodness. And then it's like, okay, I'm getting this figured out. Baby. You know what I'm saying? And like life just continues to become a little bit more complex. It becomes a little bit more layered. Now, some of you are like, I came to I came to Chi Alpha tonight to be encouraged. And Steve, you just are like, this is like not good news. All right. I promise you, marriage is a good thing. Babies are a great thing. Like all that stuff is wonderful. But if we can't figure out how to untangle the chaos of life in this season, 
we're going to have a hard time untangling the chaos in our next season. And I believe this, that God doesn't want us to walk through life a, like with us just kind of being a chaotic, out-of-control mess. Amen? We serve a God that actually, uh, he declares himself as being a God of peace. A God of, that, of God of rest. A God who wants to help us get our lives in order. Now, that doesn't mean that life is always going to be easy. But that means that peace is always available. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's good news. Uh, and we're all just going to take a deep breath in here. Because sometimes, I, here's the video I wanted to show you guys, because I think sometimes we treat life like this, regardless of what stage of life we are in. It doesn't matter what stage of life we are in. Life always has a tendency to feel chaotic. Do we have that video? I done so much at school that I just need to take a second. Are you tired? Yeah. What did you do at school? I just do too much at school. What do you do? Oh, I could go to lunch. It's a lot for me. Remember, like, remember when all you had to worry about was what was for lunch and what you were going to do at recess and whose team you were going to be on and during the PE game? Like, that's literally all you had to worry about. And yet that stressed you out, right? The reality is, is that no matter what season we walk through in life, we are going to have stress. And I believe this, that when God looks at our stress, he looks at it a lot like this, right? It's like, ah, just, it's just, it's just a lot for me, right? And God looks at us and he's like, my friend, that's not a lot for me, right? And let me help you sort through this and walk through this. In Hebrews 12, verse 1, it says, therefore, since we are Surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now, next Chi Alpha, Neil's going to tackle the second part of this verse about fixing our eyes on Jesus. But tonight, I want to talk about throwing off the things that hinder us and the sin that so easily entangles, that stress that can make us feel like life is just kind of a tangled mess. And I think sometimes when it comes to, you know, I mean, what do we just do here at Chi Alpha, right? We announced uh, every week at Chi Alpha, we, we encourage people, oh, you should be a part of a small group, right? Maybe you're here tonight and your small group leader is, there's a small group leader that's like texted you to come to small group. And, uh, and you're like, uh, maybe you've made it once, maybe you've made it a couple times, but it's been hard to get there consistently, right? And what I don't want you to hear tonight is I don't want you to hear that, oh, we just need to like, if you just add more stuff, life becomes easier, right? Sometimes when our lives are out of control, we can't imagine adding something else to it, even when it's a good thing, right? Whether that be small group or time in God's presence or coming to Chi Alpha, but what I want us to do tonight is not just give you a list of things that you have to do, all right? Because that's not going to be helpful. Yeah, I think going to small group and prioritizing that every single week is going to help your stress level. I actually do believe that. I actually I know that, all right? But if I just tell you that and I don't give you any type of like uh, like way to actually, practical way to actually accomplish that, it's not, nothing's going to change in our lives. Instead... What I want us to do is I want to look at Scripture tonight to reveal some lies that I think all of us 
believe based off of the just based on the culture that we have grown up in and that we live in. Because I guarantee that all of us are believing some of these lies about busyness that are suffocating us a little bit. And so if you feel like you're suffocating, life suffocates you every once in a while, it squeezes you, it tangles you up, I want you to just, we're going to read this passage, and I want you to just kind of do some, like, heart work tonight. Do some, like, examination, be like, ooh, I think I've been believing that lie. And because of that, because of that belief, I've been acting in this way. So Jesus, in Luke chapter 12, tells us not to worry about anything, right? He says, hey, don't, don't worry about tomorrow, what you will eat, what you will wear, what you will drink, all this stuff. Like God's already gone before you and taken care of all that stuff in advance for you to do. But before, he tells us not to worry. And Aaron actually preached on a passage similar to that one a couple weeks ago. But before he teaches us that teaching, he tells us a parable. And a parable is just a story that illustrates a point. And Jesus loved parables because he knew that, like, we're kind of a, you know, hard-headed bunch uh, that needs stories sometimes to, like, keep our attention, uh, like, engaged, you know? Like, we sometimes think that, like, we have short attention spans today. Like, Jesus knew that we, we had short attention spans 2,000 years ago as well. And so he's like, man, I got to give them the closest thing to Netflix that I can find in today's technology age. I'm going to tell them a story, and the story's going to illustrate a point, okay? So this is what he says. In verse 15 of chapter 12, he says, Beware and be on guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them this parable, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store all of my crops? Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns, and I will build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now you will own what you have, and now you will own what you have prepared. So this man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich, so is the sorry, so is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Okay, so what and then Jesus right after this goes on to say, okay, therefore do not worry about tomorrow what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear, all this stuff that stresses you out. Don't worry about that. And so this parable reveals, in my opinion, th- reveals three cultural lies of busyness that if we were to examine ourselves and see if we're believing these lies, I think that the chaos in our lives is going to start to become untangled a little bit. And the first lie is this, that more stuff means more personal value. More stuff means more personal value. Notice in verse 15, Jesus says, guard yourselves towards all kinds of greed. Meaning, he's implying that there's more than one type of greed. Most of the time when we think about greed, we think about financial greed, right? Like, we think about, like, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, who just wanted all of his money to himself and didn't want to share with anybody, right? But the reality is, is that greed goes beyond just that. 
Jesus goes on to say that one's life does not consist just of their stuff. You see, I believe this is that our greed has a it can also involve our time. It can also involve our energy. It also can just involve our focus, what we focus on if we just focus on ourselves. And what it is, is it's an evidence of insecurity in our lives. Because we say, ooh, I need more stuff. And if I have more stuff, that means that I am going to increase in value. And God says, essentially, that, listen, your life is not defined by what you have. Your life is not defined by what you are able to maintain or keep. Your life is defined by something else. Your life is defined by what God says about you. Essentially, it's defined by, it's defined by your character that has been developed in and through Jesus Christ. Now, that's good news for us, right? Because I don't know about you, but many times in my life, I feel like Steve is not enough. And then I need to do more, accomplish more, have more in order for me to have value in this world. And the reality is, is that all of us are chasing something when it comes to value. We all have insecurities in our lives, right? And we try to fill those insecurities with other things. Now, I would argue this. Now, we're going to we're going to take like a deep dive, uh, kind of a deep sociological dive tonight, a couple of them actually, all right? And we're going to kind of look at the culture that we are living in. Your parents' generation struggled with greed. But their greed usually, now I'm speaking in generalities, the greed of the former, the, the last generation usually came in the form of finance. They wanted more money to buy more stuff. This generation that's in college right now struggles less with greed for finance, and I would say with more greed for, for personal purpose and personal fulfillment. I need to feel fulfilled. So what we have is a generation that doesn't care about as much as what they get paid and more about what they are doing and what they're doing for the world. Now, that's actually a really noble thing, all right? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're noble, all right? You're noble. That's a noble thing. The problem is, is when we place our identity in that stuff, we are looking for purpose in what we do. It's still greed, and we're still in the center of that universe. But we are actually, we might not be chasing money, but we're chasing purpose. And Jesus says, no, 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 don't be chasing purpose. That's not where your value comes from. Your value comes from what I say about you. And what I say about you is that you are enough. Because of this, busyness has become part of our culture and has stayed a part of our culture because none of us feel like we're doing enough or we are enough or we're accomplishing enough or we have enough purpose. So if I were to ask you to fill in the blank of this statement, when I look at someone's life and I see that they are busy, I assume that they are what? I heard successful up here. What else? They're working hard, right? They're successful. They're working hard. When I look at somebody's life and I see that they're busy, they're successful. They're working hard. They're probably important. They have purpose. They have vision for their life, right? Isn't that interesting that we actually as a culture, we value busyness. 
Isn't it true that we love to sound busy? What's one of the first things that you say when someone asks you how you're doing? How you doing? Oh, you know, oh, it's been busy. It's been busy. <laughs> Got my busy patch on today, right? Because I am now important. I have purpose. And we say, oh, yeah, you know, it's been busy. It's been busy. We, we've all said it. And the more we say it, the more emotion it drives and feelings it drives in our minds and into our hearts. And the more we feel it, the more we actually believe it. We love to sound busy. And we love to feel busier sometimes than we actually are, right? When you combine that with how you were trained at a young age, now we're taking a really deep dive. This is sort of unrelated, but, but sort of related as well. Think about your schedule in high school, all right? You have been trained since you were very young that your schedule needs to be 100% full. Raise your hand if when you were going to high school, you had something going on almost every single night of the week. Raise your hand. All right? Look around you. We were busy, right? And from 7 a.m. to a lot of times, sometimes if you were part of sports or activities or clubs or whatever else, from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m., you had your calendar marked out for you. And then you get to college, and you've been trained that I need to be engaged in something very specific all the time. If I'm not, then I'm a loser, right? I'm not involved in anything. And then you get to college, and you're like, freedom, right? There's nobody telling you when to wake up. There's nobody telling you when to go to bed. And there's nobody telling you that you have to be at this specific thing at this specific time. And we end up naturally filling our lives with other stuff. Sometimes it's important stuff, and sometimes it's just filler stuff. Because we've been taught that our schedules need to be full, but we've never been taught how to manage our schedules ourselves. Because adults have always managed our schedules for us. Isn't that crazy? Some of you are like, okay, whoa, Steve, you're speaking to me right now. That's me, right? But I believe this, that God says, listen, you don't need to do more. In fact, sometimes, sometimes you just need to do the right things. You have to do less, but you have to keep the right things in the right order of priority. When I was a freshman at NDSU, I had all these, I got there, and I was like full of spit and vinegar as a freshman. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be involved in everything, right? I went to the club fair, and this is kind of my personality, all right? I'm kind of like a go-getter, tenacious guy, right? I went to the club fair, and I like signed up for every single email thread. I was like, yep, yes, I want to be part of the quilting club. I have no idea why, all right? But I want to be part of that, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, take my email. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're giving away something. I'm going to give. I'm gonna sign up for that. I signed up for all this stuff. And I, I was like, I want to be involved in this Christi- uh, Christian club on campus. And at NDSU, I could choose from one of ten different Christian ministries. I was like, I'm going to them all, right? And then this person that I uh, uh, led the youth group that I grew up in, uh, it was like, hey, there's this really great church in the town that you're going to go to school in. You should be a youth leader. And I was like, yes, I will change the world as a youth leader. So I'm going to be a youth leader. So I signed up to be a youth leader. And then I wasn't really sure what I wanted to major in. It was either going to be architecture or going into, like, uh, sports broadcasting. And so I was like, you know what? I should explore the sports broadcasting route. And so I signed up to be on the radio 
our like school radio, and for some reason they like gave me a basketball game to announce, and I got to like fulfill my dream and announce a basketball game at North Dakota State University. I'm like, this is my calling. This is it, right? And all this stuff in my calendar. And then I went to this thing called a small group in Chi Alpha. And I was like, oh, shoot, this was pretty fun, right? This was actually pretty valuable. And the Lord spoke to me. And I don't even know how to describe it, guys. It wasn't like the Lord came and like, like, Steve, right? It was just like this impression on my heart that I could go through the next four years of school. I I had a choice to make. I could go through the next four years of school a mile wide in my commitment and only end up an inch deep in any of them. Or I could focus to just one inch wide and allow the Lord to go a mile deep with me. And it felt so counterintuitive to who Steve was, but I started to say no to all of the miscellaneous things so that I could say yes to the most important thing that God was calling me to say yes to. And had I not done that, I wouldn't be standing in this room today. I wouldn't have fallen in love with ministry. I wouldn't have fallen in love with college ministry. I would, I would not, I don't even know that I would be serving Jesus today. Had I not said yes to being just an inch wide and a mile deep. So not about just doing more stuff to fulfill some sort of personal value. That's the first lie. The second lie is that more stuff, if I just would mean more peace. The person in this story was convinced that the way that they were going to end up with more peace was to build a bigger barn. Tear down the old barns, build the bigger barn. If I have more stuff, I will have more security I will have more safety. I will have more self-preservation. Isn't this what we do? We say, ah, if I could just control this variable, if I just had more money, if I just had more time, if I just had more energy, if I just had more me time. And we increase the me time, we increase the the energy inputs, and it just kind of seems like, man, this isn't like fulfilling me. Why? Because... We have this greed for self-help and self-preservation that's in every single one of us. And we look to the world for it when God says, listen, I'm the only one that's going to be able to provide that for you. So my question here is, what barns have you been trying to build in your life? What barns have you been trying to increase? Maybe it's the barn of the temporary You say, surely if I can just get better grades, if I can just do better at school, if I can just build a better resume, then whatever, fill in the blank. Man, if I just worked a little bit more, I'd have just a little bit more money, and then I would be able to fill in the blank. Man, if I just watched, you know, if I just watched a little bit more Netflix tonight, it would recharge me, and then I would whatever, right? What temporary barns have you been trying to build? Another barn is the barn of coping mechanisms, right? We have this tendency, we're all, like, can we just be honest? We're going to do a vulnerability exercise in here. Is this okay? Raise your hand if you're addicted to your phone. All right, 
all of our hands should be up, all right? Like, let's face it, all right? If, so, if someone were to actually give you a psychological test, we would all be addicted to these things. Man, we have so much serotonin and dopamine pumping into our brains every single day because of this thing that when it's gone, we literally are like, uh, like shaking, right? Like, literally, literally the, the, the reality is, is that like our, right now, on average, uh, it's estimated that college students spend anywhere between eight, on average, eight to ten hours a day on their phone. Isn't that crazy? And now this might be like, okay, Steve, this is like the old man talk. It's like, I, listen, millennials are no better, all right? In fact, millennials are worse in a lot of cases because the the technology was new and shiny when we were in college. We were like, right? Like, it's kind of like old news to you guys. The reality is, is that we have grown to associate boredom with pain, right? That if my brain is not being stimulated constantly, I need something in there. And what this has done is that it's filled our barns full of coping mechanisms when God says the, the things that are going to give you peace are just being still in my presence. The things that are going to give you peace is to meditate on my promises day and night. The things that are going to give you peace is to get away and get alone with me. You look at the life of Jesus, that was one busy man. He was constantly doing things for other people. And you know what he was constantly doing as well? Getting away. Going alone into the mountains. To just be in the mountains? No. Going to the mountains to pray, to quiet himself to make sure that he was about his father's business, doing only what he saw his father doing. So I want to challenge you to do something. If life is chaotic for you, if you're like, man, I just cannot get a hold of this. I can't get a hold of my schedule. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you to do something really bold. That is to delete every social media app on your phone from now until Christmas. And then when Christmas comes, have a party, all right? Spend nine hours on TikTok. I don't care, all right? But only, only watch good things. All right, there you go. <laughs> Some of you are like, my pastor told me to watch nine hours of TikTok. No, I did not, all right? That's not, if you get, it's like, if you get nothing else from this message, just do not walk away with that, all right? Thanks. <laughs> Spend time with your family on Christmas, all right? That's what you should be doing, all right? <laughs> Steve, Pastor Steve told me, I'm calling that guy. All right. Uh, try, try a media fast. Cut it out of your life. And if you say, oh, I couldn't do that, that's probably evidence that you're addicted, right? And if you're like, oh, I don't really need to do that, it's probably evidence that you're addicted, right? So try for a week, right? Like just try for, start for a week. I think your life is going to change. The Lord challenged me to something so simple about a week ago, and it was just this, Bible before phone. Literally, that's it. This thing, literally, when I wake up in the morning, my family's in the lower 48, so usually I wake up to at least four text messages on my phone, because for whatever reason, my family likes to text me at 3 a.m., all right? I don't understand that, all right? And so immediately I'm like, oh, what did my dad have to say? What did my little brother have to say? Oh, that was a really funny meme, Greg. <laughs> right? And it's like, oh, that may reminds me of another meme that I wanted to see. Okay. And then all of a sudden I'm on social media, and before I know it, 
like 15 minutes have passed, right? So I want to challenge you to maybe just something as simple as that. I don't, like, and, and it sounds like maybe legalistic, but I don't think it's that. It's just me training myself to have a habit in which I don't get to touch anything on my phone until I've spent time with Jesus in the morning. And that's, that's like, literally has changed my mornings. I walk out of my house in a better mood, right? All those things. We don't need to get into that. But something that simple can change everything. The reality is, is that when, we're, when we start building barns for things like coping mechanisms or things that are temporary, our barns will never be big enough. We'll look at them and we'll be like, oh, I didn't build the barn big enough. I just didn't build it big enough. I need a bigger barn. I need a bigger barn. Our barns will never be big enough if they're based on anything that is temporary and anything that is not eternal. And then finally, the last lie is that more ease is the end goal. This is a lie that I think we struggle with in America because everything in our lives is designed to like, everything that's like, uh, marketed to us, is marketed to us in such a way that is designed to make our life easier and more comfortable, right? Like, that's how people get you to buy something. This is going to make your life easier and more comfortable. In verse 19 to 20, what is the, what is the end goal of this guy? What is he hoping to accomplish? I know what I'll do. I'm going to build bigger barns. And I'll store all my grain and all my goods. And then I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. The reason that this is a lie is because that actually is a really lame life. Like we think that's what we want, but we don't actually want that. We are designed by God to have mission and have vision and have purpose. We are designed with a plan, and we are designed with a destiny. And that destiny does not involve us sitting on a beach. It involves us rolling up our sleeves and going on an adventure with Jesus. It involves us doing things for his kingdom and for him, for his glory. And if that doesn't sound fun to you, check your pulse, guys. Like, Jesus wants to take you on an adventure in which you will do the miraculous through him. Isn't that awesome? You're not designed to sit around. And I think sometimes stress becomes the enemy, and we're like, ooh, all stress is bad. Stress bad, stress bad, stress bad. And scientifically, actually, stress is not all bad. In fact, stress actually can make you, a certain degree of stress can actually make you more productive. The book of James, uh, James uh, writes it this way in, in his book in the Bible. He says that, that perseverance or that trials that you face produce perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so you may be mature, complete, and not lacking in anything. There's something happens when life squeezes us a little bit. Otherwise, we will constantly just follow the status quo. We'll follow the path of least resistance. We'll always be fighting for less stress. And we will only, when we do that, we think that life will be easier. But what ends up happening is we just go from whatever is most on fire in our lives 
to whatever is most on fire in our lives. And sometimes the Lord calls us to be busy all the time. God calls us to be busy with his business and his busyness. And so therefore, when I am, my life is full of his purpose, it's no longer a burden, right? All of a sudden, small group doesn't become a thing that, oh, shoot, I have to go to. It's an opportunity. It's like, ooh, I really don't want to go to small group tonight because I'm a little bit tired and a little bit stressed. But maybe because I don't want to go, that's the exact thing that I should go do. Small group some nights feels like leg day. I'm just going to be honest, right? It's like, I don't want to go. Nobody wants to do leg day, but we need to do leg day, right? It's like, oh, small group feels like leg day today, right? Next time your small group leader invites you to small group, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to go. Before you before you say uh, no, before you just don't text them back and just ghost them all together, right? Be like, hey, this feels like leg day today. Can you pray for me? All right? Just be honest about it. Some days, serving Jesus feels like leg day. That doesn't make it bad. It doesn't make it not right. It just means that anything worth doing is usually isn't easy, right? About a year ago, the Lord challenged me to do something else in my life in this area. And he said, Steve, stop using the word busy. Again, it's like a, a, a patch of honor on your shoulder. And it's, it's making you uh, look at disdain at the things that I have called you to do. Instead, if somebody asks you how life is going and what's been new, instead of saying, oh, I've been so busy, say, life is full. You see the difference between that? Oh, I'm so busy. Versus, no, life is full right now. And it's actually a good thing. Because I'm busy with God's kingdom work, right? That I am busy about my father's business. Life is full of what the Lord has asked me to do. And sometimes that's really tough. Sometimes it stresses me out. Sometimes it gets me overwhelmed. Sometimes my staff doesn't like to be around Steve when he's grumpy, right? <laughs> but I know that in those moments I'm growing with Jesus and Anna and Niall can come back up. So I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what lie you've been listening to, but I have some reflection questions that I want us to look at. And here are our reflection questions. How have I been finding value in what I do versus who God says that I am? If I've been chasing busyness because it makes me feel better about myself. And therefore, we end up chasing the wrong things a lot of times. Second one is, have I been chasing? Have I been chasing in pursuit? What have I been chasing in pursuit of more peace? Maybe it's something temporary. Maybe it's a coping mechanism. But what have I been chasing in pursuit of more peace that is, making, that is leaving me feeling empty. And my third question is this. And in my attempt to avoid stress, have I avoided something God is calling me to do? Oh, life is just so overwhelming. I can't imagine adding something else right now. And God is saying, no, that's the exact thing that I need you to add to help you with the way that you've been feeling. That's your leg day. <laughs> And it's actually going to be beneficial. You just got to get past it. You just got to get past the initial, that initial activating energy. 
So I want us to do some reflecting on this. And I just want us to take, just we're just going to take like one or two minutes. And I want you to just, as, the, as these guys just play quietly, I just want us to talk to the Lord about this. I think sometimes, again, life gets so loud and so chaotic. It's just important to sit in the presence of God. Say, hey, one of these things, something I've been believing. God, what do you want me to do about it? Okay, let's just concentrate on that and talk to the Lord about that. worship team is going to lead us in a song to close. And as they do, um, we're going to be available to pray for people in the back. If there is something the Lord's laid on your heart in any of these areas or any other area at all, maybe it's some, totally something unrelated and you need prayer for anything tonight, please come back. This is the portion of our time together in which we like respond to what God's doing. So we reflect and then we respond. We say, God, what are you saying? Now, what are you asking me to do about it? And so Let's take a chance. Let's just take the opportunity to have uh, somebody pray for us if there is something going on in our life. As we uh, enter this time of prayer, I'm going to pray for us. If you just bow your heads, close your eyes as we pray. If you're here tonight, I have one more question, and it's this. If you're here tonight and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, like you've never made your decision to follow him, you've never known true peace in that way, or maybe you made that decision in the past and that that commitment is no longer active in your life or it hasn't been for a long time and tonight you would like to recommit your life to Christ uh, is that for anybody in here? Can you just raise your hand? Awesome. If you raise your hand to that question I'm going to ask that you'd come find me after the service. I'd love to talk to you about what, what that means. But if you raise your hand to that question, uh, we would love to, to pray with you. Um, and, uh, yeah, just start that journey with you. But if you raise your hand to that question, I, I want us to take care of this right now. If you raise your hand to that question, I want to just lead you in a prayer. And I want you to pray this prayer in your heart. Like this. Dear Heavenly Father. I realize that I have sinned 
that my sin has separated me from you. But tonight, I'm receiving your forgiveness that you made available to me. Through dying for me and my sins on a cross. I am turning away from my old way of life, putting you in charge, and asking you to guide me for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. As the worship team leads us, let's, uh, if you need prayer for anything, we're going to be in the back. And I encourage you to make the most of this opportunity to have somebody pray for you. Uh, even if it's for something simple. We're all struggling with this, so don't be afraid to come for prayer.